Welcome to Truth Pod, the podcast that proclaims the truth of God's Word without shame or apprehension, where the Bible is the last word on any subject. I'm Russell, your host. Welcome back to Truth Pod, and thank you so much for downloading this podcast each and every week, or as often as you do it. I'm blessed because people listen. I hope you will be blessed too. I was just thinking about being a little boy in Sunday school so many years ago. My two brothers and I were picked up each Sunday by a friend of the family, and we were taken to church, and, you know, it was a a big experience. It was new. We were just country boys, you know. We didn't get out much. Um, But I believe that I learned more from the Bible and about God's love for me in that Sunday school room when I was little than I ever had from the preaching behind the pulpit. Now, I'm not saying that I didn't learn from the preacher because I did. He had a great impact on my life. But in Sunday school, the teacher was able to explain things in ways that pastors uh, don't have time to do behind a pulpit. I could ask questions, you know, in Sunday school. They, you know, uh, and they would kind of frown on that when uh, I would ask questions, you know, in the service when pastors preaching. So those were wonderful days of my childhood. Many, many precious memories. I hope that you too have those kind of memories in your life of where you were taught the Word of God, especially, you know, as a child and hearing it as a child. Uh, Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your many, many wonderful blessings in our lives. Thank you for what you do for us. Thank you that you hear and that you answer prayer and that you are faithful to us. I pray that your will would be done. Your name would be glorified. I pray, Father, that you would bless this study and bless those who hear this study, Lord God. May their hearts be touched, Lord, for your glory, and may it all be done for your glory. In Jesus' holy name, amen. This is the final study in the series, The Best News Ever. Only 12 studies. Not too exhaustive, I know, but I feel like I expounded on this subject enough for now. I thought about moving on to the early church, seeing how that's where they go from this series. Life is full of changes. Some are sad, and we can't wait to get out of that time in our lives. Many are joyful, and we would love to stay there for the rest of our lives. Funny thing, the funny thing is we grow more Through the rough times in our lives, it has a tendency to mature us and make our faith stronger. The disciples had come through some rough times that Jesus had tried to prepare them for what they had to face. They had to say goodbye to him, and it would rip their hearts out. Losing a loved one feels that way. Remember the last time you had to say goodbye to someone you loved? If it was yours to choose, you would have kept them around a lot longer. The choice is not ours. Saying goodbye can be very difficult, and we would rather avoid it. The older we get, the more often we have to do this. My pastor in Kentucky told me that uh, he has more loved ones in heaven than he does, you know, left here on earth. You know, he's outlived them. He uh, just turned 87 And, um, you know, so I wished him happy birthday. But, you know, that's something that's 
it's so true that uh, the, the older you get, you know, the more you say goodbye, you know, to loved ones. The disciples had to say to, goodbye to Jesus. And then he came back three days later. The first time they, say, they said goodbye, it was very bitter. Now in the scriptures we are reading today, they have to say goodbye again. This time, not as the sacrificial lamb, but as the ascending Lord of glory. Let us turn to scripture. Acts chapter 1, verses uh, one, uh, 1, 2, and 3, and then um, verses 6 through 11. And I read uh, from the English Standard Version. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, according to appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed in, by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The best news ever is worthless if we keep it to ourselves. It is meant to be shared, to be given away, to be taken to the whole world. Someone once said, how much do you have to hate someone having the knowledge of how to get to heaven and then keep that knowledge to yourself? That is not a complete quote, but I'm sure you get the point. How much do you have to hate someone having a knowledge how to get to heaven but not sharing it with someone who needs it. It was time for the disciples to say goodbye to the pain of the past, goodbye to their futile plans, and goodbye to their own limits. First, goodbye to the pain of the past. Acts 1, 1 through 3, the promise of the Holy Spirit. In the first book of, of uh, he talking about the first book of Theophilus, uh, there in the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 1, he was talking about the book of Luke. Of course, Luke wrote the book. And he said he dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he'd given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. This whole study has been one of transition. Everything within them told them not to go to the tomb. It may be a trick of the enemy to capture them. As long as they're in their little room, they are safe. No one is banging on the door. Why should they go out looking for trouble? 
you know, let's uh, let's just play it safe. Why take any risk? You know, could have been their motto. But Mary told them the tomb was empty. His body was gone. Stay safe in hiding or step out in faith and see what God wants to do. They had a choice there. You know, they had a choice. It was either, you know, say goodbye to the pain of the past, you know, or remain right where they are. They made the choice to say goodbye to the pain of the past. You see, pain wanted to immobilize them and hide them away from the world. Pain does that kind of thing to you and I. It causes us to want to just close ourselves in if we've been injured by someone hurt by someone it makes us want to just close ourselves in you know and not and not get involved or not uh, associate that's what pain does but god wants us to say goodbye to the pain of the past when they said goodbye to pain they stepped out in faith and jesus met them these men were chosen men this was no accident christ himself called these men and trained them personally so it should not be surprising that Jesus himself would appear to these men for 40 days. It was not like it was before the cross. He wasn't continuously with them, but he would appear from time to time. See, before the cross, they walked with Jesus daily. They ate with him. They talked with him, you know. They slept beside him, you know, and uh, all of this. But now, now it's different. He had only appeared to them from time to time. His appearance, his appearing to his disciples was to further prepare them for the next part of their mission in life. No longer would they sit back and watch Jesus work his miracles. Now they would be on the front line with the Holy Spirit working through them. But more on that later. His appearance to his disciples was not in some spirit form or some apparition, but he was the risen Lord in the same body that he had when he walked with them. He was flesh and bone. You know, he was flesh and bone. When he when he rose from the dead, it wasn't just a spirit. As some cult teaches, you know, he rose just as a gaseous spirit. No, he rose in flesh and bone. He even told them, touch me, handle me, you know. Why was this important? Because according to John 1.14, Listen to this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. There was no mistaking who this was. Here he was risen from the dead, having conquered it. And now they are able to touch and handle him. First John 1, 1 says this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. You know, John was writing this, this when he wrote 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, it was years later. You know, and he's looking back and he says, that which was from the beginning. And, and you know, and he's talking about Jesus, of course. We have heard him. We have seen him with our own eyes. We've looked upon him. We've touched him with our hands. The word of life. Now they are eyewitnesses to all these things. His earthly ministry for three and a half years. 
the crucifixion, as horrifying <coughs> and ugly as that was, and best of all, his resurrection. It was real, and they were nearly ready to start sharing this news with the whole world. But the disciples still had some ideas that didn't fit with the plans of God. They were still wondering if there was going to be a kingdom established, and maybe their roles in that, in that kingdom. So they had to say goodbye to their future plans. Acts 1, 6-7. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the, fathers, the Father has fixed by his own authority. Remember just a few days before the crucifixion, before, you know, this event, just a few days before the crucifixion, James and John's mother had a request asked of Jesus. She approached Jesus. In Matthew 20, 21, in the English Standard Version, it says this, or she had rather, she had asked him, you know, um, well, let me just read it. I'll, I'll just read it here. And he said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. What a request, right? I mean, and whose mother wouldn't do such a thing? I mean, or father, for that matter, if it's a chance to promote their son or their daughter, you know, who wouldn't immediately just speak up and try to advance their child in such a way? I'm not, I don't know how much involved John and James were in the request. You know, if they were agging her on, you know, hey, ask, ask Jesus for this. Or if they were embarrassed that she would ask such a question. The Bible doesn't really give the details. You see, every Jew... In every Jew was the was the desire to be autonomous, that their country would be free and enslaved to no one. The problem was they tried to do it without God, so God would allow them to be conquered and ruled by other nations. This was the mindset of the disciples when they asked Jesus this question, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I'm not saying I blame them. If it was the U.S. enslaved to another nation, I would want to be free. So would you. But God had bigger plans, but not for Israel, but for his church. We are a lot like the disciples. We want to know what's going to happen. What is God going to do? Why doesn't he do something about all the wickedness in this world? You know, all of that stuff. You know, we're, we're, we're curious, we're desirous to know, we, we just, we want an end to it, you know, we want to see an end to it, uh, just like the fighting in Ukraine, you know, people there are wanting to see an end to that fighting, and they're praying for it, and desiring in it, and wishing that God would move in, and, and just stop this nonsense, you know, so it's, it's a normal, I think a normal response, but Sometimes it, our plans don't always line up with God's plans. You know, our desires don't always line up with God's desires. We get so wrapped up in politics. We choose sides. 
We all get wrapped up in the culture, and we miss what really is important, the souls of men. This is a major distraction to the body of Christ. You see, politics is not the important thing for the church. It's important, but it's not the most important thing for the church, okay? It's not. The culture, it's an important thing for the church, but it's not the most important thing in the church. The most important thing the church should always focus on is the souls of man. It is not, the church is not here to handle political questions and deal with politics, but it is fit and prepared through the power of the Holy Spirit to meet the needs of the souls of men and to point them in the right direction. Jesus tells them, there are some things that are none of your business. That's quite, you know, blunt, and I'm putting it in, and I'm paraphrasing it a bit, you know, because he says, as we read it, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has put in his own hands. I paraphrased it by saying there are some things that are none of your business. This wasn't what he wanted them focusing on. They wanted Israel to return to an autonomous kingdom, and they were focused on that. Because, of course, Jesus is Lord, Israel is God's people, you know, so this, you know, is a slam dunk, you would think. But it wasn't what Jesus was planning. It wasn't what he wanted to do. All right, Jesus tells them there are some things that are none of their business. When will the war in Ukraine end? None of our business. We don't know, and we shouldn't be focused on those things. Will the culture continue to collapse? None of our business. We don't need to focus on those things. God is in control. Listen to what is written in the book of Daniel about the sovereignty of God. Daniel 4, 17 in the ESV says this, The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. In other words, God is sovereign. God is in control of what's taking place in Ukraine. God is in control of what's taking place in the culture. God is ever watching over Israel, always watching over... the. Uh, the United States, um, he is, it's, you know, he's sovereign. He's able to deal with these things. We can't, okay? And it, he rules in the affairs of men. Though we might look at it and think about it as being the world is falling apart. You know, it's falling to pieces, you know? Or it's like a puzzle and that has been tossed up into the air and the pieces are flying everywhere, we lose the pieces, but God never loses any peace. The disciples needed a paradigm shift. They had to start looking at life differently. They had to say goodbye to their own limits. Acts 1 and 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Education is good, but education is not enough. Experience is great, but experiences causes us to set limits, to build a framework that says this is how things are supposed to be. Now, let me be clear. I'm not talking about mandates from the Bible, you know, or from Scripture. I'm talking about how that sometimes we're told this is as much as we can do for God, and that's it, you know, and that's hogwash, of course. The disciples um, and us need more than education and experience. We need power. I'm weak. I don't know about you, but I'm weak. I, I, I don't like to admit it. I don't like to for it to be visible. I don't like it when people see it. I feel uh, when I'm weak. I feel like I'm I'm naked. Okay. I really I, I don't know if that's you know too harsh a way of putting it, but that's how I feel. I feel naked. I feel like I got to cover up. I feel like you know I've got to explain myself. You know, so I don't like uh, feeling weak. I need power. I'm easily intimidated. I don't know about you. I'm often afraid to speak up. I need power. You and I, we need power. Now, I've got a lot of things, a lot of toys in my house. I mean, TV, game systems, you know, and uh, other things. And they are all totally useless without one thing. I mean, I can sit there in front of the TV, though it's 65 inches, you know, full HD, 4K, all of that good stuff, you know, that that was presented to me when I bought it, you know, and it sold me on the idea of buying it. It's all useless unless it has power. I can try to turn it on. I can stand in front of it and look at it. All I want, all I'll get is a blank screen until it has power. When it has power, it's pretty. I mean, there are some beautiful scenes. I mean, I, I you know, looking at wild animals in, in Africa uh, in 4K is like being right there, you know, without being terrified to be there. The power made the difference, okay? The power made the difference. You and I, we might look good, okay? And I might look to you like I've got it all together. Believe me, I don't, okay? I don't, and I, I try not to present that to anyone. But when I get the power, okay, when the power is, when I plug into the power, then something happens, something changes. It is different than it was before. There is uh, an unction, a passion, a, an anointing that comes on the individual that is so different than before. See, had they ran around trying to fix politics, they would have messed up the whole thing or they would have missed the whole thing about what the church's mission was for. Had they went around trying to change culture, and that's what we try to do too much is we try to change culture instead of winning souls. If you're winning souls, that's changing culture. That's changing politics. 
So power is needed. Power. You and I. Jesus, let me just read that verse again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Man, I don't know about you, but I want him to come upon me. I want it. I want him to come upon me. That's why I'm, I'm praying. That's why I pray. That's why I spend time in it reading his word. I want his power to come upon me because that will make the difference. That'll make the difference in you and I. It'll give us the ability to speak up for him, the boldness to speak up for him. Limits tell us what we can and cannot do. You can go to church, but don't invite anybody to go with you. You can be a Christian, but don't push it on anyone else. In other words, keep it to yourself. Jesus knew that if the disciples tried to start the church as they were, the first time that the Pharisees confronted them, they would have turned tail and ran. They would have got out of town because they were terrified. They were terrified of, of the Pharisees until the power came. When they got the power, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, it just, it just makes, you, makes me want to shout. When you get the power, you don't run. When you get the power, you stand firm. When you get the power, you know, it changes you. It changes you. And that's what we're talking about. Now, we're talking about Holy Spirit power. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, anything weird or, you know, psychedelic or whatever it might be. I'm just talking about the power of God in filling an individual and giving them the ability to speak for Christ. Jesus told the disciples that they needed power, not the kind of power this world possesses, but a power that is supernatural, a power that would give them the boldness to stand up against any adversary. Oh boy, when you mention the word power, people's ears go up. We love power. We want power. We know that with the right kind of power, we can accomplish things. The problem is, we're plugged into the wrong power. We try to get it done in our own power, through our own ability. But that's not the way God wants us to do it. This power they would be given would, would not function for selfish desires. They weren't there to build great the cathedrals. They weren't there to build great monasteries. They weren't there to make a great name for themselves, to put up statues in memory of themselves in memorial. No, no, that's not what that was about. You know, this power would not be used for selfish desires. It could not be used to build monuments for one's self. This power would be the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. This power would give them ability to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and into all the world. To all the world. The church needs this power. That you and I, without it, we are limited, limited as to what we can do for the kingdom of God. Without this power, we will be afraid to talk about Jesus, to share with others what Jesus has done for us. We need this power. They would have to leave their comfort zone. 
and go to a world that needs this gospel message. We don't get to pick and choose who gets to hear. He already made that choice. Everyone. Everywhere. Did you get that? You see, when I read that verse, let me just read this again. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses, he's saying, in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Wow. Everywhere. Now, they started in Jerusalem, okay? They started in Jerusalem. That's where the power exploded on the scene. And they started in Jerusalem. But it wasn't just to stay there. Oh, they, they, they almost, they were trying to do that. And you'll, you'll have to check out in the book of Acts what happened and then the methods that God used to get them out and spreading the gospel, okay? This great power, we need it. We need it. Read the first few chapters in the book of Acts, and you'll see they got this power on the day of Pentecost, okay? When they got this power, Rome could not in intimidate the early church. The religious leaders could not, through their threats, imprisonment, and of imprisonment stopped the disciples from preaching Jesus and the resurrection. It just wasn't going to work anymore. Intimidation wouldn't work. Acts 4.18 says this, So they called them, talking about the Pharisees calling the disciples, and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Acts 5.28 saying, saying, uh, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Wow. In other words, they got the power, and they started proclaiming. Remember, it was just a few weeks ago, they were hiding, hiding and in fear of the Jews. Now they're boldly proclaiming, Jesus to these these people and and they're starting you know to get it out there boldly proclaiming and no longer afraid of the of the Pharisees the religious leaders of or of Rome power help the disciples speak up in boldness Acts 5:29 Peter said this but Peter and the apostles answered we must obey God rather than men. I applaud, applaud those people, you know, that take a stand for Jesus in our modern culture where it's not politically correct to speak against homosexuality, where it's not politically correct to speak against transgenderism, where it's not politically correct to speak you know, against whatever it might be because the culture says it should be this way, but the Bible says a different way, and they stand up anyway. I applaud them. They might get canceled by this world, but they will never be canceled by God. I tell you what, if I'm going to be canceled, I'd rather be canceled by the world than by God. All right, <clears throat> simple and to the point. No need to sit and argue about the matter. Obedience to God should be our highest priority. 
My prayer is that we be filled with this power that Jesus promised to his disciples. It's available to every believer. We just have to say goodbye to our limits and embrace his power. I don't know about you. I need it. I need it. I want it to be felt here in this podcast. When I do these podcasts, I want the power of God felt. Okay? And if it's not, then I need to get a hold of God till it is felt. I want the power of God so that it reaches into the hearts of the lost. Okay? And it stirs them or it shakes them or it makes them question their destiny, where they will spend eternity. I want that power to be be available and used so that it encourages the saint of God to say, I'm going to keep on going. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. But I'm going to keep on going. I want that power from the Holy Spirit to be a witness for Jesus. Well, that's the end of the series, The Best News Ever. Next week, I start a whole new series. Thank you for listening. Let me end this podcast by asking you this question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If not, you can. He loves you and wants you to be a part of his family. The first thing for you to do is admit you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. Second, believe that he died for you and ask him to forgive your sins. Third, Thank him for saving you and commit to living the rest of your life for him. If you have any questions or prayer requests, just email me at truthpod at yahoo.com.